So we are in week three of our God at Work series, and it's been really incredible just having people from the workplace imparting on how to bring the most of God and heaven into what we do at work. This morning, we have two incredible people going to share the word with us, and so I want to introduce them to you very quickly before we launch into it. Tony Mteto and Deborah Tumba are the people sharing this morning. That's where you can give a round of applause for them. They have really great bios, so I don't want to mess it up. So Tony is, you know, married to Katie. They've got three beautiful daughters, Akari, Nozipo, and Ndogozo. And he is described as a innovator, paradigm shifter, and value creator by his peers. He started in business at the age of 21, and over the past 19 years, has held various roles in operations management, business development, marketing, and enterprise software sales. He recently embarked on an entrepreneurial journey where he co-founded an industrial IoT tech solutions company called IntelliMinds. So he has great experience that he's going to share with us. And Deborah, who's going to be starting for us today, is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa and the chairwoman and co-founder of Tumbo Scott, a Santon-based law firm specializing in corporate and commercial legal services. She qualified as an attorney in Weber Wenzel. She worked as a senior law clerk and advisor to Justice Sisi Kampepe of the Constitutional Court and at Cliff Decker Hoffmeyer as a dispute resolution attorney. She holds her LLB and LL Cum Laude from, in public international law from the U University of Johannesburg. She's also acquired a certificate from the Tabombeki African Leadership Institute on the course of African political economy. She was recognized by the Mail and Guardian as one of the top 200 young South Africans in the legal field in 2018. And this year, Deborah received a special recognition award from Premier David Makuru at the Gauteng City Region Premier Youth Excellence and Service Awards for her contributions to justice and law. She is the head of legal investigations at Corruption Watch. Can we give her a huge round of applause as she comes? Thank you. Is this already on? It is. <laughs> Um, wow, thank you for that bio, Jess. It's, um, you know, when I was asked to share today, I was agonizing about what I'd preach about, you know, and um, that bio does sound quite hectic. And I didn't want to boast in myself, you know, if I can boast in anything, I can boast in the Lord, um, because God has been good. So, good morning, church. <laughs> um, Thank you to the pastors for trusting me with the mic for a few minutes this morning. <laughs> yes, it's always a privilege to speak to God's people. And so today, we'll be speaking on boundaries. So work, boundaries, balance, life. And, you know, I want to start with a few questions. Um, have you ever felt spread thin or stretched or, you know, just unable to do all that you're supposed to do in life and in work? Or have you ever felt like you're overworked and underutilized? Or, you know, you feel busy but not productive, like you're in motion, but you're not necessarily going anywhere? Um, and I felt that way a lot. And I'm not up here because I have it all figured out. I don't. I'm only up here because I have a story to tell, and it's mainly a story about the faithfulness of God. Um, oh, those are the questions up there. <laughs> um, and God is faithful. So Proverbs 3 verse 6 promises us that if we seek his will in all that we do, he will show us which path to take. And I've seen that in my life. So I'm going to focus mainly on boundary tensions and 
you know, I constantly find what I struggle with is demands. So I have a demanding career, I have a demanding workload, I have demanding clients, demanding business. And then I also, in the midst of all of that, try to have a life. And in that life, I have demanding friends, I have demanding expectations as to who and how I should be. And so that's, that's something that I constantly struggle with. And before I start sharing, I thought I should start with a funny story. So um, I was asked to share on this day last month, and um, I had literally just declared last month to be the month of no. You can see there on the 1st of June, I said, when I feel like there aren't enough days in the week, I know I'm not saying no to enough stuff. So I dedicate this month to no. And then in the middle of my month of no, I got a call from Pastor Jess. <laughs> and she asked if I could share today, and I had to say yes because <laughs> when you're called to do something for God's kingdom, the word no cannot exist in our vocabularies. So why was I feeling so spread thin that I needed to have an entire month to use and think about the word no? As Jess said, I'm an attorney. I um, have my own business. Uh, I've had a long career. I've, I've worked in some really amazing places. Jess actually went through everything. <laughs> um, and they've been incredible spaces, but also challenging in their own ways. And one thing that I've, one word that I've found that constantly follows me is demands. Demanding, demanding. A legal career is, can be quite demanding. And in 2017, I found myself in the middle of a storm of opportunities. I know that uh, some of our Connect Group members know exactly what I'm talking about. Just too many doors, which ones to take. And I had come from a big law firm. I was leaving the Constitutional Court. I had offers from everywhere. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And <laughs> yes, nice life problems. But you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're seeking God's will, it can be very, it can bring about a lot of anxiety because you don't want to make the wrong decision. And out of all of the offers that I had, God said, take none of them. Instead, he said, start your own firm. And so, and he confirmed it because one of the other believers at the Constitutional Court said, let's start a firm together, and God is saying this to me, and he was saying it to me as well. So we started our law firm, and it started in coffee shops and on my mother-in-law's dining room table. So instead of going back to a cushy job, I started this business, and in two years, through the faithfulness of God, we've been able to build it to a company that has over 85 clients. We cater to um, small businesses, but we also have international clients. We have corporate clients, some listed companies, and that's really all the faithfulness of God. And then at Corruption Watch, I'm also leading the teams that are taking former ESCOM board of directors to court. Um, I was in the middle of last month, I was actually... In a, in a court battle against the presidency to set aside the CRT findings um, that's found that the arms deal that cost this country 69 billion rand was not corrupt. Um, so you can imagine that things get really busy. And I'm also very married. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, I'm married to... <laughs> and I'm married to an incredibly supportive um, and lovely man. He's, he's really great. And I, I'm also a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend. Uh, we, we lead a connect group together, my husband and I. Um, and then we have a cat, a dog, and three fish. <laughs> so how, 
how, do, how does one balance it all? Boundaries. There's a time for everything, and you need to set boundaries in your life. You need to draw lines. And during my month of no, I thought about this question of boundaries quite a bit, you know. And so I'm going to talk about some of the revelations or the things that God reminded me of during my month of no. So, you know, in work, we are called to work hard. We're called to work as unto the Lord. We're called to add value, to be valuable. But we're also called to draw a line. We are called to also love. We are called to be part of a community. And we're called to serve in the church. And then between all of that, you must also find time to eat, sleep, and rest. And you've heard these scriptures quite a bit, I'm sure, this, this, during this sermon series. You know, whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord and not for men. So whether you eat or drink or, whether you, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Those two verses of scriptures are very true for the world of work, but they're equally true for life. You must love as unto the Lord. You must serve in church as unto the Lord. You must be a friend. You must be part of a community as unto the Lord. It's not just about work. And so boundaries are things that you must decide to put in place in order to balance it all. And I want to speak about the decisions that you must make before you make the decisions about boundaries. So your decisions before your decisions. And I've made three principal decisions that guide everything I do in my life. The first is you need to know who you belong to. So in John, whose are you? In John 4 verse 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And when I decided that I'm a child of God, before I even step into the world, especially the world of work, a lot of decisions are already made for me. You see, because when you're a child of God, you're not your own. You represent the kingdom, and you're an ambassador for Christ. And so when you're an ambassador, your actions are not your own, your choices, your words, and, you know, sometimes even all of your decisions are not your own. Everything you do must be in line with God's will. And so that decision, once you make it, half of your decisions are made for you because the Bible has a lot of direction. And then the second is, who are you? I had to decide who am I. I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> that said, um, you need to dig deep down. Dig deep down and decide who you want to be. Not what, but who. And knowing who I am or who, knowing who you are should be your guiding light and your compass. And the Bible is full of examples of people who knew who God called them to be. So even before they got to, before, to their final destination, they were walking in who God called them to be. Yeah. I want to talk about Esther, David, and Joseph just very quickly. You know, they all knew very early on in their career, so to speak, that God had called them to be something. And this heavily informed the decisions that they made on their walks in life. You know, like when Esther was called to intervene for the people of Israel, when there was a plot to destroy the whole nation. Or like when Joseph was tempted to sleep with his boss's wife. Or like when David had an opportunity to kill Saul and take the kingdom of Israel by force. They knew who they were. And Esther knew that she was placed in the palace by God for a reason. And Joseph knew he would be elevated to high office, not by compromising his values, but by God. And David knew that God 
would make him king on God's, in God's own time and on God's own terms. And so who these people were and who God said they were determined how they showed up every single day in their lives. And the last decision I made is what's important. And see, when I've made, once you've made these first two decisions, the last decisions are quite easy, you know? What's important to me? And then draw your boundary. What's important to a child of God? And then draw your lines. What's important to who God has called me to be? And what boundaries and what lines do I need to draw in the sand to make sure that I'm walking in that fact and in that purpose? So these decisions were my lines in the sand. And when you're children of God, the Bible tells you so many things. You must know who you are, whose you are, and what's important. And if you are a child of God, you must read the Bible. That's a given. And the Bible is full of wisdom. And it says, um, sorry, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart, Lord God, that I might not sin against you. And in order to not sin against God, you have certain boundaries in the workplace or in the marketplace. And then lastly, after you've made all of these decisions, after I made all of these decisions, I know whose I am, I know who I am, and I know what's important to me. But I still fail, I still feel stretched thin. I still feel like I'm not walking in. I'm not, I'm not observing my boundaries. The question is then, why? And often when I'm not honoring the boundaries that the Bible sets for me and the boundaries that I should have in place, it's because deep down I know that I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say no to people. I'm afraid to say no to opportunities. I'm afraid that it will affect my level of success. You see, fear is the driver there and not faith. And I know that when I'm being driven by fear, it's because even deeper down inside, I'm putting my trust in things. I'm putting my trust in opportunities. I'm putting my trust in man and not in God. And we've heard stories of boldness. We've heard about Daniel, in the, who chose the lion's den rather than crossing a line about who his God is. We've heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, would rather, who chose to rather be thrown in the fire than to do a simple thing of bowing down. And sometimes it seems so easy, like it's just cross this line. It's not a difficult line to cross. But these people were courageous to the T. You know, uh, they stuck to their boundaries, they stuck to their lines. And so what boundaries are you crossing out of fear? Are you balancing your life? Are you valuing what God values? Are you valuing family? Are you valuing church? Are you valuing community? Or are you just working? You know, what if God is testing you in the same way that he tested our brothers and sisters of courage? When, they were, when you're confronted with putting your work above your family, above your life, above balance... Are you choosing to trust in God or are you sacrificing other things in your life or everything in your life on the altar of work and success? Because work and success are an altar in this world. So I want to say this. I think rather than speak specifically to my boundaries, we all know what boundaries we should be setting. We know what's important to God. Now to go back to the questions I asked at the beginning, if you're feeling stretched spread thin, you're feeling overworked, you're feeling unproductive, you're feeling like you can't be there for your loved ones, is that a blessing or a curse? And in feeling this way, are you setting and sticking to your boundaries or are you compromising whenever the opportunity comes? And these are questions that I constantly ask, my, ask myself when I feel this way. And I'm taken to a very hectic scripture that I want to share. 
starts like this, Jeremiah 17. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland and they will not see prosperity when it comes. Instead, they will dwell in parched places of the desert and in a salt land where no one lives. That's how I feel when I'm not observing my boundaries, honoring God and valuing what God values. But then it goes on. It says, but blessed is the man who trusts in God and whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And um, just funny, that's such a funny color of our faces, but that was, that's a beautiful picture. Of <laughs> um, that's the day in the middle of my month of no, when I was honoring God and thinking about it, I got this award from the premier of Gauteng. And that was just confirmation that you can honor God and he will consistently and constantly come through for you. So... For those of you that struggle to say no in order to enforce your boundaries, especially at work, I thought I should share some of, some of my clever ways to say no. You can say, my plate is full right now, and you don't need to explain. You don't need to explain that I'm going to be hanging out with my friends or I've got time with my husband. My plate is full right now. Or you can say, I don't have capacity to do that right now if you're busy at work. Or you can say, I'm going to be unable to do that. <laughs> um, or that's not going to work for me. Or simply no, which is a full sentence. And then my very favorite, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's one you say in your heart, not to, to your boss. <laughs> and so I hope you can use these in situations where you feel like you're being forced to cross boundaries. Thank you. Sanbonan Bantwinkosi Gian Bingelela Ekamen Lingankulunkulu Ekamen Lendotana Nasekamen Lomoya Onwell. I greet you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Really excited to be sharing this word with you today. Those who know me well know that I'm very passionate about this topic of work and relationships. Uh, I've got lots of personal stories to tell. Um, I've got lots to say on this topic. We even wrote a course together with my wife on this topic of relationships. But for today, I'm going to focus on what we can learn from Daniel on this topic. It's not my slides on here. Keep going. Should I stop while you sort them out? Okay. So, two main points that I want to share from Daniel, and then we'll draw some key points from there. Firstly, Daniel's relationship with the king is different from the norm. Secondly, Daniel is bold to speak to God's truth to the king. I want to paint a picture for you. It's 2003. I'm setting up a retail operation in Khaburoni, Botswana. I am 
doing that with not much support, little to none support from head office, I'm on my own. So being young and exuberant, I'm saying, yes, I'm the man, I'm doing this. I'm literally making it rain in the desert. <laughs> but it's coming at a cost. It's retail, I'm working 17 to 18 hour days, Sunday, Monday to Sunday. I do this for a 12 to 18 month stretch, and then my body hits control, out, delete. I crash and burn, hospitalize, all sorts of physical and emotional consequences come around. But what's going on there? What's the issue? I do not have a healthy relationship with my work, nor do I have a healthy relationship with my boss, my earthly boss, and there's definitely no boundaries in place there. Danny Silk, in his book, Keep Your Love, has a very powerful quote, and it says thus, powerlessness, irresponsibility, and lack of boundaries are all rooted in failing to value your life as you should. Conversely, honoring God's value for your life will lead you to be responsible for protecting it and cultivating it. So to honor God's value for your life, we need to understand what God values and then align our values to God's values. This is how we will have healthy relationships with our work and within our workplace. So what are your values, I ask? What are your priorities? We need to be able to communicate these to those we work with and then start living them out. It is said, a value is not what you say it is. It is what you spend your time doing. So if we're to look at your diaries today, will they speak of your values? Turning to the text, um, Daniel, just to give a quick summary of the story so far, the, um, the Jews have just been defeated by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar has ordered some social engineering. He's asked his guys to go and find young men who are intelligent, educated from the royal household. And then Daniel and his friends fit this profile. So they get chosen and they get indoctrinated for three years, get trained up in the Babylonian ways, and they graduate to be in a position of an advisor to the king. But Daniel's specific specialism is in interpreting dreams for the king. So it's another day in the office for Daniel. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream, terrifying dream, about a tree. So he summons Daniel, and we join in the verse here. It says, Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So here we could see straight away Daniel sorry, Nebuchadnezzar, could see there was something different, and so he trusts Daniel with his dream and trusts that Daniel would be able to interpret it above all the others he had tried. So, coming back to the first point, so Daniel's relationship being different with the king. Nebuchadnezzar saw he was different, and in the first week with Simon preaching, he clearly showed us that in Daniel 1.11, Daniel firstly resolved not to defile himself to eat the king's food. And then, Daniel himself was into the rhythms of life and culture before he entered into Babylon. So the culture of the day did not determine his rhythms of life. He determined that up front. Daniel was the same to fully engage in the workplace, but different to bring transformation. So I know we have people here sometimes say, oh, my industry is different, Tony, and 
in our job, it's quite frowned upon to leave before five or it's this and you don't know this. I'll say to you, be culture changers. Be culture creators in that environment. Bring kingdom culture in that um, workplace. Mamelo reminded us so well last week that we work in imperfect organizations which are led by imperfect leaders and we have imperfect colleagues. Ours, because we know the one who is perfect, who is able to redeem that is, which is imperfect, and ours is to be his ambassadors in those imperfect situations. And the only way we can do that is to transform those situations and be culture creators, bring a new culture to that environment that says you will not use, your values don't align with what God's value is. Secondly, we see also here, Daniel had boundaries. In Daniel 3, 2, okay, we got that one. In Daniel 3, um, 12, he refuses to bow down to the king and to Nebuchadnezzar's image, and he did not fear man. He did not fear the king. He only feared God. Not even his earthly boss, as much as that, um, this was his vocation. This was his job, right? Daniel was his earthly boss, but he chose to only fear God. And I know you could be sitting here today saying, well, we can easily fear our earthly boss thinking, well, if I say no, like Daniel said no, what will happen to me? Will I get fired? Will I lose my job? So how do we then respectfully, but without compromise, align our values to the truth in keeping healthy boundaries at work? A personal story of mine here, so when I first started in, uh, in, in corporate, was in software, so Blackberries were the thing, you know, because you couldn't get email on a smartphone. Email only came on a Blackberry. And they're actually nicknamed Crackberry because that red light, when it came on and you wanted to reply to that email all the time, and you're just like on there, on there, it's like, yeah, addiction. So I found myself on holiday with my wife checking emails, responding to emails on the beach she looked at me, took one look, and I knew I had to put a boundary on that. <laughs> and so, I got two phones. And for the, a lot of the time in corporate, I got known as the guy with two phones. But I had Tony work and Tony play, simply to be able to create that boundary for me that one phone could go off at a certain time in the day, or whenever I was on holiday, didn't even come with me. And that was a boundary. If I didn't know what was happening on the phone, it's not a crisis. A crisis is not a crisis if you don't know about it. <laughs> so, another key point here is we need to recognize when we need to pause and rest as a lifestyle. In our family, we try and get away three to four times a year. I was known as that guy in work. By the end of January, I've already booked my leave for the year. My boss has approved it. We know we're going. It's all in there. Why? Because I knew if I didn't put those values in the calendar first, work would squeeze those out. And to this day, I was actually talking to him the other day. My director, one of my directors in our job, he still says he never came across a man who planned his life six months in advance around his family and around holidays. And what that communicates is that my values, I had already communicated my values and placed boundaries around my time. I had boldly communicated values and followed it up with action. And if you're thinking, well, it's just you, Tony, you have a different way of working with your boss. There's a quote here for Michelle Obama when she was being interviewed about this whole putting work first. It's not up there, so I'll just read it. Michelle Obama says, starting every year, before I booked anything, 
I agreed to any meetings or conferences, would sit down with my assistant and look at our lives first. We'd put date nights in there. I'd put my workouts. We'd put our vocations on the calendar first. We'd put sports things and school events. We planned that out first, and then what was left would be for work. So, if the first lady can be playing that, who are you to not be able to put your family first and your values in the diary first? So, do you know what your priorities are? If you don't, you won't know how and when to prioritize one thing over the other. I'm very clear, and the Bible is very clear, when it comes to relationships, the priorities are God, then Katie, then my kids, extended family, friends, and then work. And I know there's times when these things are going to be trumped, busy seasons, but they're exactly that, a season when one is trumping the other. But thereafter, my default is the biblical blueprint that God has set. So to summarize this point, is your relationship at work with your boss different to the norm? What's driving the culture there? Or who's driving the culture in that relationship? Are you bringing kingdom culture to the relationship with your colleagues? Do you stop gossip? Are you defending those who can't speak for themselves? And if you're a boss, is your relationship with your employees different to the norm? Do you see, do they see the spirit of the holy God in you? Moving on quickly to point, the second point here. So Daniel is bold to speak the truth. You've gone backwards. Oh, sorry. So Daniel is bold to speak the truth. You know, he has to interpret the dream in verse 419. And then Daniel was greatly perplexed and his thoughts terrified him. He knew what he had to say. He had the interpretation, but it was not comfortable. It was an inconvenient truth. And perhaps you're sitting here and you know what you need to say. You know what boundaries you need to put in place, as Deborah quite clearly articulated for us. We know what you need to do in our workplace for us to have a healthy relationship with our work, but we are terrified. We are fearful. We know where fear comes from. But we need to be bold to speak the truth for ourselves here. The key is also, another key is that we need to recognize boundaries that are crossed in the workplace, and how we navigate them to say no. Luke, 18 has a great, Luke 8 has a great story about how to say no here. Very practical. Jesus is here. He's raising, it's a story of him raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, surrounded by a crowd of people, all demanding his time, not sure it's the same as your workplace, many people around you. Jairus jumps to the front of the queue, and he's there, and he says, look, Jesus, you need to come and heal my daughter. At that point in time, Jesus' yes to Jairus was a no to everyone else. In my, in my life as well, one of the stories that in my workplace, working for matrix organizations, you have a boss here, one in Dubai, one in England, and they've all got different demands and want the same report different ways. I got good at saying, when I got asked another um, request, which unreasonable deadlines, I got, got good at saying, okay, I've got these things on my plate with these three deadlines. Which one of these would you like me to stop in order to take on this new task? Because I knew by saying yes to that, I'm saying no to two more hours with my kids when I get home. By saying yes to another project at four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, know that you're saying no to Connect Group that evening. By saying yes to that extra thing, you're saying no to your friends as well. So be very clear on your values and boundaries there. 
at another quick quote from Danny Silk. He says here, he's talking about looking at people in our lives as consumers. There's a learning process involved in identifying the types of consumers that want a piece of your life and the kind of boundaries you need to set with them. If you cannot set boundaries with consumers, you're going to be exploited. Last two key points that we can draw here. So don't fall in the trap of prioritizing your work above relationships. The biblical value system places family above work. How do you need to promote and defend your values in the workplace while still being recognized as one who works hard? Quick story here. So working in targeted organizations, it's come to the end of the year. Company's not quite on target in the sales environment. One of those urgent meetings are called, you know, that email that comes in an hour before everyone has to go home and you all need to be in this meeting. So I replied to my boss and said, that day, Katie was out of town. I didn't have a, an alternative plan to take care of our daughter. So I replied to him and said, I don't have enough time to make an alternative plan. However, I'll come for the first half an hour of that meeting at 4 o'clock to 4.30, and then I have to leave. He agreed, no problem, replied to email. Fast forward, we're in that meeting. It's half past four. I stand up to leave. He says, no, 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 Tony. It's an important part of the meeting now. You can't go. You need to go to the end. I breathed. I gently reminded him of the communication I had sent to him before, and I told him I had to leave, and I left. And as Christians, guys, in the workplace, we need to get settled with this tension of being passionate but boundary, the same but different. What I knew is that in that meeting, although the company wasn't on target and a lot of people were on target, I was on 120, 130% of my target. So I was passionate, I had worked hard, and I could put my boundaries and stand by those boundaries and firm and know that I, in front of God, I was living out my values. And this is not to say work is not good, people. We're not like run away each opportunity you get to get out of work. Work is good, but when work becomes the ultimate thing, when it becomes an idol in your life, that's when it's an unhealthy relationship. So not just emphasizing boundaries about 5 p.m. Yes, we've got different seasons. What I'd say here is communicate the season that you're in with your family. It's year-end, it's financial reports, whatever it is, family. These next three weeks, things are going to be tight. But however, at the end of this, we're going to go on a holiday. At the end of this, we're going to go for a day trip. You find that your kids, your family, they rally around you looking forward to that end of the financial report. That's how you communicate your boundaries, and that's how you handle those busy periods. So in summary, what is stopping you from being a Daniel in your workplace? Is it fear? Is it fear? Is it pride? What are you limiting? Where are you limiting the Holy Spirit to work on your behalf? Daniel was in the lion's den. Things were not going his way. He had not many options. But God, God worked on his behalf. He trusted in God and not what he was doing in his marketplace. Are you standing in the way of your next marketplace miracle? I'll end with this. It's a word, it's a chorus, words from a chorus of a song that my kids have in our car and on CD. It's regularly on repeat, but I really thought it was apt. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known.